Welcome to the Train Tart Tales podcast. We're two travellers seeking out and sharing interesting tales during our travels around the globe and sharing them with you here. From cultural phenomena to social issues to local customs, there's no topic too big or small. We tell real-life tales about real-life people and places. For this episode, we're in Buenaventura, one of Colombia's most notorious cities, where we meet one of the traditional market cooks preserving the city's Afro-Colombian culinary traditions and serving food that's shining a bright spot on a troubled region. It's 8am and at stall number 7 in Buenaventura's Galeria de Pueblo Nuevo Market, Jenny Moreno tends to a mishmash of pans, the contents bubbling away on glowing coal embers. Her tiny kitchen is stacked with silver pots of seafood, plastic basins of vegetables, chopping boards of alliums, and bundles of fresh herbs. There is a sink, but the tap is for decoration only. A large plastic barrel and two smaller bins serve as the water supply. Now and again, the strip light on the wall musters enough energy to bathe the room in stark light for a second or two. The space is small, but I make it work. Jenny says, before launching back into her morning prep, unfazed by trivialities like electricity or running water. As a 34-year veteran of the market kitchen, she knows her work. Buenaventura is a humid port city on Colombia's southwest Pacific coast, where the jungle meets the ocean. Its Pueblo Nuevo market doesn't look like a gastronomic destination, Raindrops trickle through holes in the corrugated metal roof, leaving muddy puddles for customers to dodge, and armed soldiers patrol the complex. Yet the coconut-laced scent seeping out of its ten or so makeshift kitchens suggest otherwise. Jenny is a traditional cook, and along with the market's other cooks, is a guardian of the city's Afro-Colombian culinary heritage. The women turn out recipes passed down by their foremothers, made with native ingredients for an almost wholly local crowd. Buenaventura's notoriety as a hub for drug trafficking and gang violence keeps most other visitors away, but there is potential for that to change. In 2017, Buenaventura became part of the UNESCO Creative Cities Network for Gastronomy, drawing attention to the city's rich culinary heritage and the need to promote and preserve it. Colombia's cuisine is rarely talked about in glowing terms. Many who visit the country seem to come away with an impression of a starch-filled, meat-heavy offering. The food in Buenaventura is a little different, and simmering away in the market's cooking pots is generations of knowledge and tradition. Jenny asks if I want to help out. Sure, I say. She places a bowl of shrimps in front of me, demonstrating how I should devein them. Jenny is very direct and confident, in part because she's been cooking these dishes since she was a teenager. She used to help out when she was even younger, around eight, but started working in the market full-time from age 14. Jenny's mother, Maria, 
passed the stall on to her and now it's Jenny's daughter and son who help out before and after school. We met Jenny a couple of days ago. She was the most persuasive cook in the market and convinced us to eat at her stall. We didn't regret it. In fact, we kept coming back. Having entrusted me with the shrimps, Jenny moves on to the sancocho, one of Colombia's most beloved soups. She's making sancocho de ñata, which has a base of fish. She grabs cilantro, cilantro cimarron and basil, chops onion and chunks of potato, cassava and plantain, and drops them all into a pot of water. In the blink of an eye, she's already on to the next task, rinsing a silver grey pompano fish and cleaving it into pieces to pre-cook in lemon and water. She explains that she does this to make sure it's properly cleaned out before adding it into the sancocho. The market kitchens all serve the same repertoire of dishes, a who's who of this region's Pacific Coast cuisine. Dishes like ceviche, sancocho de ñata, cazuela de mariscos, encocao de jaiba, arroz a la marinera, pescado frito, pescado sudado, langostino sudado, and siete mares. For the uninitiated, el triple, the triple, is a good place to start. You get to sample multiple dishes on one plate. As the name suggests, you pick three dishes and a portion of each is served alongside rice, salad and a patacón, that's a fried plantain patty, all for about 20,000 pesos, or $6, including a fish broth to start. The choice often includes a coconut-based stew of either crab, turtle meat, piangua, which is a mangrove clam, shark, shrimp or calamari. A coffee vendor calls out as he passes the kitchens and stalls. His metal cart, the frame of a baby buggy in its previous life, is filled with mismatched flasks of Tinto, black coffee, ready to decant into disposable plastic cups. Crude and unsophisticated, the coffee serves its purpose as a sharpener for the day ahead. In front of the wooden-framed kitchens, a row of plastic chairs and tables wait for customers to fill them later. Opposite, a gaggle of boisterous young men jostle the customers leaving a grocery store, pestering them to let them carry their bags for tips. Everyone seems completely oblivious to the armed soldier standing a few metres away, sucking on a lolly and looking bored. They're here every day, Jenny tells me, not looking up from the onions she's dicing. It's an unsurprising sight in a city like Buenaventura, a city with a reputation. Buenaventura is home to the country's busiest port, responsible for around 60% of Colombia's sea imports and exports, a fact that should make it a wealthier place than it is. However, it also makes it a strategic location for drug trafficking, a problem that continues to plague Colombia. The area suffered badly during the country's long-running armed conflict with guerrilla groups like the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, or FARC. Many people living in the countryside around Buenaventura were displaced and ended up in the city, where the population has grown from 50,000 to 400,000 in just 30 years. In 2016, a peace agreement was signed between the government and FARC, but armed groups continue to operate in and around Buenaventura. A few years ago, the city earned the unfortunate title of Colombia's deadliest city. 
and reading about the violence visited upon this city and its residents makes your blood run cold. It's what keeps visitors away and makes many feel that it's a lost cause. The decades of gang violence, deep-rooted corruption and a lack of investment have scarred the society. Yet the city's cuisine and food culture is one of the few bright sparks here. As well as the traditional cooks in the market serving up local dishes, there is an appetite amongst other residents to learn about their culinary heritage too. The city's Fundación Escuela Taller runs workshops and courses aimed at locals affected by the conflict and from disadvantaged backgrounds. Their popular culinary course focuses on local cuisine and helps preserve local food traditions and knowledge while strengthening the students' cultural identity and connection to their region. Back in the market, a young woman wearing a tabard apron comes rushing into the kitchen with a metal serving spoon in one hand and a lump of coal in the other. With the spoon, she scoops up a couple of the glowing coal embers from the stove and drops the fresh piece of coal in as a replacement. That's my niece, Jenny explains. She runs the stall next door. Do all the women help each other out, I ask? No, laughs Jenny. In fact, it's usually the opposite. But between family, things are different. Jenny pours some water into a large plastic tub of freshly grated coconut, mixing it through to turn the water milky before sieving the liquid into the sancocho and leaving it to bubble away. Next, she rummages in the sink and grabs a large smooth stone that looks like it could have been plucked from someone's garden and begins pounding some peeled garlic cloves on the chopping board a makeshift pestle in a makeshift kitchen. The Galleria was first constructed in 1954, adjacent to the Muro Justi Canal, along which local people used to transport their goods by canoe to Salem City. Last refurbished in the 1980s, the market, like many of the buildings in the city, has fallen into disrepair. It's currently being upgraded and remodeled with funding from the Ministry of Culture, and when finished, promises to give Jenny and the other cooks a space worthy of their food. In another small pan, piangua are doused in a coconut-based sauce. These tiny black clam-like bivalves are harvested from the mangrove forests along the Pacific coast. The piangua are one of the ingredients specific to this coastline, showing off the earthy flavours of the mangroves in a spoonful. Jenny buys the ingredients she cooks directly from the vendors in the market, where they sell all manner of produce. Basins stacked with shrimps of different shapes and sizes, piles of smoked and dried fish, and some of the largest fish eggs I've ever seen. Great yellow marbles enrobed in creamy white sacks. Other stalls specialise in fresh herbs and dried flowers. Some are integral to the traditional dishes and some used to fashion remedies and infusions. In other parts of the market, vibrant cacao pods and cow's feet sit across the aisle from one another. It's not a conventionally beautiful market, but it's no less fascinating for the fact. Cilantro cimarron is a fresh herb that's new to me. Jenny explains that it's a vital component of the dishes she makes. 
Cilantro cimarron is like cilantro, but different, she suggests. The leaves are long and lettuce-like, with serrated edges, and Jenny adds some to the soup while it's cooking, rather than at the end as you might with regular cilantro, because it's less delicate. Jenny pulls a mini skillet filled with ruby red achiote and natto seeds from the embers, their colour bleeding into the frying oil. She pours some of the liquid into one of the pans, creating a pool of orangey yellow that with a quick flick of her spoon blends to turn the contents of the pot a rich ochre. When we arrived at Buenaventura, our host John met us at the bus terminal. A few days before, he'd messaged to explain that there might be a problem with the water supply at the apartment. He'd got a letter from the city administration saying that works were due to start while we were there. The short walk to our accommodation took us past derelict buildings, crumbling pavements and lots of rubbish bags. We have a rubbish problem too. The city hasn't been collecting them, John said perhaps having noticed me glaring at all the bags. For years, the city has been neglected thanks to corrupt officials and misappropriated funds. The fact that 89% of the residents in this area are Afro-Colombians has also not gone unnoticed. The only part of the city that's been shown some love of late is the Bahia de la Cruz Malacón, the boardwalk. The Malacón redevelopment was finished at the end of 2017, and features basketball and football courts, playgrounds, a growing number of restaurants, and mango sellers galore. The atmosphere here is relaxed and jovial, people out enjoying the amusements on offer and basking in the ocean breeze. It's an area that feels safe and gives a taster of what the rest of the city could become if money and attention is spent on it. It's 10 a.m. and the first customers arrive at Jenny's store. A young couple and their son, who she serves bowls of fish broth. The market is getting more chaotic and the women in the kitchens call out to customers as they pass, trying to entice them to eat at their stall and not their neighbours. I hope that the next time I'm here they're closer to getting the space they deserve, one with running water and electricity a place that will showcase the rich culinary traditions embedded in these small kitchens and the women, like Jenny, who hold that knowledge to share.